Warning, Mr. Cole and Mr. Rasner are not historians, journalists, or socialists. In the course of this episode, they will use profanity, consume alcohol, make inaccurate claims, and discuss violent and disturbing acts. Fact-checking and listener discretion is advised. Welcome to 84 Ounces of Freedom. This is episode 8. I am Bryce and I'm here with Johan. <laughs> Dave's looking at me like he doesn't know what the fuck I'm talking about right now. And that's true because he doesn't. Actually, I am Mr. Cole and... And I'm Mr. Rasner and we only talk trucks. This is Truck Talk. It has been suggested to me that maybe we get off on tangents a little too much. Well, uh, maybe... This is truck talks. It's all trucks. It's all we're only going to talk about trucks. You know, there are plenty of podcasts if you want current events, and you know, we as much as we'd like to talk, about, have a podcast about true crime stuff. Neither one of us is named Mike. And That's true. You can only play the hand you're dealt. Yeah. So it's truck talk. That's all we got. Yeah. Um, right now, I am drinking a little ninety-minute uh, dogfish head. Dave has a Hefe Weissen going. You can't beat the Hef. And uh, we got a little splash of some Larceny here, which... Um, are we bourbon? Whiskey? This is Kentucky Straight Bourbon. Okay, so... Um, it's inexpensive. Like I Highly recommend it. You know, I drink more bourbon than I should, and this is not the best bourbon I've ever tried, but it's absolutely the best bourbon I've ever tried for the price. Like, it doesn't even come close. I want to... Um, plug a, a couple podcasts that I, I've really enjoyed, and I know Dave hasn't had a chance to listen to them before I get into anything. Um, so Man in the Window, um, we've talked about criminology in the past, and their extensive episode on, uh, is it the East Area Rapist or East Area Killer? He's got so many fucking names, it's hard to keep track. Help me, I don't know. Joseph D'Angelo. Help me. I don't know. They busted him through DNA. He, oh, that's that one. So he, the Golden State. Golden State Killer. Yeah, yeah. Not the Warriors this might be a sports team. The, the original, yeah. The, <laughs> he's the original Night Stalker. So yeah, yeah. Um, on criminology, you know, they, they were in detail of everything this guy ever did. And it's shocking how he was never caught. And in the middle of their podcast, he was actually caught through an amazing DNA process. We, we talked about that in episode one. Yeah, so Man in the Mirror is uh, by Paige St. John, and it's excellent. Like, I don't know if you got to listen to the criminology one very much, but he used to talk to himself and complain about this woman, Bonnie. So Bonnie was a woman that he was engaged to before all this started, and um, she broke it off with him. So they talked to her on this podcast. Interesting. It's huge. Yeah, they talked to the guys that um, did the forensic stuff. Um, there, there were a few things I didn't know. I didn't know that he was breaking into houses before he broke in to, to uh, commit his crimes. And he would do shit like unload guns and stuff. Interesting. So when he broke in again, if they went for their gun, he, he knows he it's just not laughed. loaded. Yes. That's some devious shit. Really devious, yeah. That's, all, that's very like Manson-esque, like creepy-crawly mission type stuff. Yeah, he was, you know, he was a non-secretor, so like his DNA is not secreted, and I mean, you might understand that a little I more don't. than mine. I didn't even know that was a thing. It's yeah, so like it. So if I have children, that means I'm a secretor. Yeah, but a non-secretor, <laughs> like their 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 DNA signature, I guess, is not in the semen. Oh. Like it's in the blood, but it's not secreted into the semen, and a a small amount of the population is that way. That's what made it hard to track him down. Interesting. And they actually suspected he was a cop and, and literally test tested every cop in Sacramento County. Was he? He was a cop. Oh, jeez. But he was fired for stealing, uh, I think it was dog food and duct tape and some other thing you would expect him to use. Like, dog food is a great thing for some guy breaking into houses, you know? Yeah, you'd think you'd try a steak if you're trying to divert a dog. But he, he, he totally got busted for stealing and got discharged because of that. Interesting. The end of that series, there's an interview with another um, a woman named Laura Beal. Her podcast is Dr. Death. 
um, I don't think I've talked about it here, but I've recommended it to you. It's um, it's cringeworthy binge listening. Um, absolutely medical stuff, or yeah, this doctor literally killed and and completely paralyzed patients, and like other doctors were freaking out, and like no one would do anything. Hmm. Like, is this the one in Texas? I can't remember. It's been a while since I listened to it, but it was interesting that they they do like a. Uh, an understanding of rape type of thing, um, but both po- those podcasts are excellent, excellent. You got to check them out. Okay. And then uh, we've got uh, some other stuff. So I have had some interesting conversations uh, lately. Uh, if you listened to last episode, you know we talked about Free Range Kids, uh, the book by Lenore Skenazy. It's impossible to say. Yeah, S-K-E-N-A-Z-Y. And you admitted you were positive you had it right. I'm sorry. It's, I'm just a dick, and it's a hard name. Yeah, so it's Free Range Kids, giving our children the freedom we had without going nuts with worry. Um so I reached out to her email and uh, let her know that we uh, talked about her book in our podcast and uh, Dave's interesting uh, experiments with her teachings. And uh, she responded, hey, cool, thanks for the heads up. Uh, she also has a TV show called World's Worst Mom and features overprotective parents and their families. Uh, you and I have probably have no idea because it's on the TLC network and uh, I'm guessing we probably aren't watching the TLC network very often. Yeah, true. And and speaking of the overprotective moms, I've been <clears throat> um I've been listening to little shorts of Jordan Peterson lately on YouTube because it suggests them to me and he's smart and I'm not. And um he talks about the overprotective mom a little bit in relation to the Oedipal complex. I don't know. Oedipus or Oedipal. It's I believe it's based on a mythology thing, but interesting. Um, it's it's very Freudian, and it has to do with obsession between mother and son. Hmm. And um, man, a lot like I'm completely ignorant about all that. But if I could just sum up by saying, there's a lot of problems later on in life that can come from the inability to detach between mother and son true so i did also reach out to trisha griffith of uh, websleuth.com websleuths.com that's hard for me to say for some reason <laughs> and uh I, I i you know i was curious about her uh standing in for host mike boudet on sword and scale and kind of wanted to know um her take on his re-recording her episodes because i felt like it was kind of a dick move you know um so I sent her an email through the Web Sleuth site and didn't hear anything back. And then I, I saw she was on Facebook, so I just sent her a friend request. And she actually responded to me first. And uh, without uh, knowing what I wanted to know from her, she said, So Clint, whenever I go to the Home Depot, I never know the name of the thing I'm looking for. Example, I was <laughs> looking for a one-piece protective work covering thingy which is how I explained it to the Home Depot guy. <laughs> the poor fella looked at me like I was nuts. My question to you is... Dada. Hey, Rubes. Hi, baby. Can I ride my bike? Yes. Want to go? So we're recording. This is my five-year-old Ruby, and she wants to say hi to Mr. Cole. I she told her earlier she could. Okay. Hello, Rubes. You going to do some free-range stuff? <laughs> yeah, she's going to be riding her bike outside at 9 o'clock at night, which is Perfect. perfectly normal, right? Absolutely. All right, baby. Love you. Go have fun. Mama, don't wipe my bike. Yeah, I said I could. <laughs> and uh, she said, my question to you is, in the rare occasion I go to the Home Depot, would you mind if I message you first so <laughs> I can get the proper name of whatever it is I'm looking at, <laughs> looking for, thanks, Trisha. Which is kind of cool, which means she, like, saw this friend request from this guy probably saw I'm friends with a bunch of podcast hosts that she's aware of and saw I work at the Home Depot and like 
it, it's just kind of funny to me. So I responded absolutely and asked her what she thought about Mike Boudet and Sword and Scale re-recording her seven episodes. So immediately I just get right to it. <laughs> yeah. And she said, I feel really good about my experience. I always knew it was temporary. Mike made that very clear. I was very happy with the pay and I got a chance to host an incredible show. It was interesting in as far as the haters from all sides finally had a common enemy. Me. LOL. <laughs> yeah, I see that. The people that loved Mike did not want me to, did not want to have anything to do with me with the show and the people who hated Mike hated me because I was keeping the show going for Mike. <laughs> it was a hate hate win all around. LOL. Although I did receive very many nice compliments. Uh, really, I had a great time being a part of it, if only for a short time. By the way, runningwebsleuths.com has prepared me for the haters. As I told you, as I told Mike, people have said things like, if cancer had a voice, it would sound like you. <laughs> that was really cool, but very creative, too. Ha ha. Look, of course, sometimes the haters got under my skin a bit, and it did sting. So all I did was shut down the computer down, and then the haters went away. They were gone. It was me who let them into my life, so only I could kick them out, and I did. About the re-recording, look, I know people were, were telling Mike that Sword and Scale was not the same without him hosting, and they were right. I think Mike wanted continuity, and therefore he did what he thought was best for Sword and Scale, which I completely understand. Sure, it would have been nice for me to personally, it would have been nice for me personally if he would have left them up. But from his standpoint, the fan's standpoint, and the business standpoint, I get it. Uh, then she sent me a link to an interview, which I sent you on um, through either Messenger or something. Mm. And because um, I told her that I were kind of interested in medical serial killers on this show. And um, she did an interview with the author of a book called Behind the Murder Curtain. Uh, special Agent Bruce Sackman hunts doctors and nurses who kill our veterans. And he is the guy that took down Michael Swango. Oh, this is like an FBI agent? Yeah, he's nice. the guy that that uh, you read about in the Swango sure, book. Sure, sure, yeah. And became the go-to guy for suspected MSKs. I didn't even know there was an actual acronym for I it. I mean, that's uh, cool. I like that. Yeah, he also busted Christina Gilbert and talks about uh, Daniela Poggiella in the interview, which we're going to talk about Daniela today, too. Okay. Um, I'll add that interview um, on, the, on the links to this episode. I think it's so cool that people take the time to write that much back to you, because I don't write emails that long to my immediate family members. I, yeah, it's usually <laughs> like, yes, yeah. or no. <laughs> That's cool. How, how nice. Yeah, so I thought that was really cool. Um, so I've been checking out her podcast and checking out websleuths.com. Pretty interesting for the old armchair detective. Yep. And then, um, want to do something we've never done before? <laughs> so what I did, <clears throat> if you're a friend of mine on Facebook, you know about this. I, um, have started writing my own creepypastas and published one on the internet today. What's a creepypasta? So a creepypasta is like a short horror story. Uh, Slender Man is considered a, a creepypasta. Okay. Um, things like that. So um, I've been writing a few minutes every day before I go into work and um, it's time to put it out there. So um, this particular one, if I can get the cooperation from Dave, we're going to read, and I'm going to read everything that's not highlighted. I have your parts highlighted, which are basically just dialogue. You'll actually be playing a character. Okay. Are you ready for this? Try my best. All right. This is entitled, Dude, My Phone's Listening. <laughs> ready? Yeah, do it. Dude. My phone's listening, said Bryce. Oh, yeah? Said Yo Hong as he tugged at his ridiculous beard. They were standing in the shade of a fig tree in Yo Hong's front yard. 
Bryce hadn't even opened the beer that Johan had handed him from his Pelican ice chest yet. I'll pause for a second here. I'm, I'm kicking you this in the dick a little bit. This is oddly specific, yes. These characters are based on complete fiction, <laughs> and they are unlike any person alive in any way. <laughs> yeah, said Bryce. My feet have been bothering me terribly lately. My doctor said to get inserts, and I did, but it hasn't helped. Our phone just crashed. One second. There we go. The bottom of my feet feel like they have a goddamn sunburn. I've been bitching about it for days now, and all of a sudden I start seeing advertisements for this Gold Bond medicated foot lotion popping up on the social media sites and whenever I search anything on my phone. So? Questioned Johan. So, it showed up on my front porch last week. I didn't order it, but I was charged for it, admitted Bryce. You really think that your phone placed an order for you? I think you were just hammered and forgot you did it explained Johan as he took a drink of his IPA. I know I did. I know it did. It's listening and it's taking action. I should have just returned it, but damn it, the ads popping up on my phone, even when I'm playing stupid games, are convincing, said Bryce. Did you use it? Asked Johan. Yeah. And it worked, God help me, exclaimed Bryce. Don't get so excited, said Johan. Everybody knows our phones are tracking everything we say and do, I guarantee you. The government has documents on both our activities that are over a million pages long, all from our phones, and we are nobody. It sounds like what your phone did was beneficial, so relax and open a beer for Christ's sakes, admonished Johan. Bryce glared at him intensely. Then he pulled the keys off his belt loop and used his Russian River opener to pop his IPA. He drank about half the beer in one pull and gasped with pleasure. Hey, said Bryce. Do you have your phone on you right now? Bryce had a slightly fearful look on his face. No, said Johan. It's on the charger. The kids smoked the battery playing games this morning. Bryce visibly relaxed and said, good, good. I smashed mine. Dude, you're losing your shit, exclaimed Johan. It's not that big of a deal if your phone ordered you some fucking foot lotion. Maybe it should order you some preparation H so you stop being such an asshole. You may be right, agreed Bryce. But it didn't stop with the foot lotion, and I wish to God some ass cream instead. I wish to God I got some ass cream instead of what happened. Bryce continued in a lower voice, and Johan had to lead towards him as Bryce continued. Remember when we were hammered last week and we were joking about what single life would be like again? Oh yeah, I was so drunk I pissed the bed. But Carla was more pissed than anyone. She finally just now is talking to me again. Night, Said Johan. Night, Ribs. Night, baby, I love you. What she doesn't know is that we only act like we don't like the silent treatment. Laughed Johan. Bryce wasn't laughing. He glared at Johan and said, Dude, my wife's dead. I found her on the kitchen floor. She dropped the coffee pot. There was glass and coffee everywhere. Her phone was in her other hand smoking, and the sight of her face was gone. I can't get the vision of her blood mixing with the coffee on the floor out of my mind. The color drained from Johan's face as he said, That can't be true. It is, confirmed Bryce. She is dead, and now I'm worried. Where is Carla? Before Johan could respond, they heard a muffled pop from inside the house and Carla's screams. <laughs> so it, the names I got from a, a random name generator on my phone and just went with the first ones that came up is oh, how yeah? some people got their monikers, if you will. A name... A name generator. That's like an app? Yeah, that's a thing. I was unaware. Yeah, and you can go, you can just put all, and it gives you the craziest names you've ever seen, or you can select male or female, and then it has hundreds of different criteria you can select. So you gotta go gender non-specific. Yeah. <laughs> then everybody's like, Pat. Just what you want. Nice, so, that was fun. That's up on the... On the our Facebook, I'll post a link to it. It's on um, forums, uh, creepy pasta wiki. Um, I don't know what I'm doing. It took me like an hour to figure out how to get from my, what I had written from Word onto the website, and it's giving me instructions. But of course, I I needed a seven-year-old, and no one was available. And I finally figured it out. So here we go. That's the first one. That's um, 
the next one, I, I have two more done and I'm working on the fourth. The next one uh, does not involve the adventures of Bryce and Johan, but oh. I do feel like we will see them again <laughs> with uh, some even more interesting dialogue. Well, that said, I think I need to migrate over to the Pelican Cooler. <laughs> <laughs> do you need to use my Russian River opener? <laughs> All right, for this week, I am covering uh, an MSK that has, uh, I've previously mentioned in this ep episode, called Daniela Poggiala, P-O-G-G-I-A-L-I, Poggiali. Italian. She's, she sounds lovely. Absolutely Italian, and, <laughs> and she's known to be attractive. So, here's how it goes. I've like been working on my writing ability, so there's a little bit in here, and then it's just facts. So, do an image search on Daniela Poggielli. Already and, on it. And you'll see several photos of an attractive 42-year-old nurse with short blonde hair. Oh, this is great. We'll see if I can get to the point before you see what I'm about to describe. The first few show her smiling in different areas, carrying groceries, a selfie in a car. Then you will notice a couple of photos with microphones in her face with an expression of stressful defiance. Most, notice, most notable is the sixth photo, which shows her leaning over a deceased patient. She's wearing scrubs. She's smiling and giving two thumbs up, even though the recently passed person's face is pixelated I'm looking at that one right now. The mouth can be seen open as if in the act of a last gasp or a scream. <laughs> Another photo shows her laying with her head next to the deceased. She is mimicking the open mouth death cry and pointing with her index finger to her own mouth. Her hand is held in a way that makes it resemble a gun. There are some other photos where her hair is dyed bright pink. Not a good choice in my opinion. Just saying. The person behind the camera has never been revealed. She says that the photos were meant to be private, but a confidant leaked them to social media. Yeah, these aren't selfies. Somebody else took these. Someone took those pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She claims a patient had died, and she snapped a few inappropriate photos. She yeah. insists that she was only guilty of bad taste. But what would a police investigation reveal? <clears throat> Before the pictures came to the public intention... Umberto One Hospital in Lugo, Italy, were alarmed in the spike of the death rates. Most notably, the 93 deaths over a two-year period that occurred exclusively during Daniela's shifts. The number was three times that of any other nurse there. 38 of those occurred in 2014 in the span of only three months. Of course, this could all be coincidence, but her colleagues had some interestingly negative things to say about her. She was said to have a vindictive and malevolent personality. She was known to steal from patients on a regular basis. <laughs> she made her shift easy by giving her patients sleeping pills at the beginning of her shift. Yeah. She made the next nurse's shift hard by giving the patients laxatives before she left. <laughs> one, nurse that, one nurse that say she stole from a patient found... Oh, one nurse that saw her steal from a patient found a funeral arrangement on the hood of her car the next day, like some kind of Godfather-style threat. <laughs> she was known to say, leave it to me, I'll quiet them, in reference to a particularly difficult patient. And when helping a doctor that was unsure about what to do about a very ill patient, her advice was, two vials of potassium and it will all be resolved. <laughs> The hospital wanted to do something, but they didn't have enough evidence, and despite her notable flaws, she had 17 years of experience and was considered by her supervisors to be hardworking and diligent. Then in March of 2014, the hospital was forced to act when five patients died under her watch that should not have expired. Autopsies were performed on the first three, and nothing seemed amiss, but in the same week, two more patient of her patients died. Instead of calling the police, she was moved to day shift. A 78-year-old patient was found dead on April 8th. Fantastic day, my birthday, by the way. The patient's daughter 
was asked to leave by a blonde nurse. When she returned, her mother was asleep. The daughter noticed a vial connected to her mother's IV that wasn't there before. It was almost empty when her mother's eyes rolled back and she began to suffer seizures. When the daughter returned, her mother was dead and the strange vial was gone. Oh, we don't get to know what was in the vial? Yeah, so the incident launched a search that uncovered the fact that two bottles of potassium chloride were missing. Okay. This drug is used in lethal injection and is difficult to detect as it breaks down in the human body very quickly. Well, it's a normally occurring right. substance in your body. Like, you have potassium. You, you would die if you did not. An immediate autopsy focused on a spot in the eyeball where this drug will typically accumulate was done. Enough of the drug was found to easily lead to a heart attack. The police were finally called. She was fired from her job as police began the investigation, but she was not arrested until October 9th. She was charged with murder. Nicknamed, the da- nicknamed by the Daily Beast, the Nasty Nurse, Daniela was known to play it up to the cameras, waving and smile. The smile was off, wiped off her face when her request for bail was denied. In jail, she enjoys notoriety and receives fan mail daily that is littered with marriage proposals. I read in one article We've that... We've got to write to her. <laughs> well, I, I don't think we can in jail anymore because I read in one article that she was sentenced to life, but another said she was acquitted on appeal in late 2018, but no details were listed. So she's out? Oh, okay. All right, well... I, yeah. Let's continue with... <laughs> I think, but I'm not sure. A lot of the stuff that came up was in Italian, and it wouldn't translate, so I, I don't really know on the Daniela Pagliela, but... Uh, that guy that wrote that other book was absolutely involved in... Uh, well, he talks about her. He wasn't involved in her right. capture. It was in Italy, so... It, you know, there's there's notable things. So, again, the, the hospital moving her to day shift so they can keep an eye on her instead of getting her out of there. Right. Or going to police. We've seen this before. Yeah, what That's kind a of common, what kind of liability is that? I don't know, but it's a common thing that we've seen. We saw it with Swango, and we saw it with. Uh, they like to move him to other hospitals. Charles Colon was that the the nurse that? That's the one that you read that I haven't read. Oh, yet. you haven't read that? Yeah, oh, Cindy you ha- gave me that book, and yeah. then I gave it to Tina, and I lost track of it. I mean, that guy killed we, seemingly more than Swango. He was yeah. as as I'm reading the uh, Dane Ludwig book, claiming that the most prolific serial killer might have been H.H. Uh, H. Holmes. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, no, Charles Colin. Yeah, that is the name, right? Col- I think so. Yeah, I didn't believe it was because because he was in the 300 wow. area, right? So. Um, oh, I start uh, Devil in the White Castle tomorrow. Okay. So I'm excited so, for that. So, at any rate, the 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 fact that that more people probably died after the facility where she was working probably figured out what was going on is troubling and a repeated thing that I see in these stories. And it's unfortunate. I don't know what to do. I'm, I, I'm not. I have no solutions to propose. I'm simply admiring the problem. It seems like it was easier in the past with technology. I mean, technology has come into the hospital nowadays. Right. You know, you guys. What What was the year this was occurring? Was this like in the there? last few years? Well, if you yeah, said it, it, I forgot. But well, I was. I read it, it somewhere in there. It said she. I think that she was acquitted in 2018, so it's fairly recent. Yeah. Did I not put date? I may not have put dates in here. 2014 seems like. Yeah. When this was occurring, so yeah, not that long ago. Plenty of press from 2014. So, I mean, 2014. That's the year, like Ruby was born. That to me, like I can remember 
conversations that you and I had in 2014. I can remember what we were barbecuing. Yeah, like that seems like, like I, I checked out library books in 2014 that I haven't returned yet. Yeah. Like that's how quickly the time passes. That was that was yesterday. It's crazy. Yeah, and the the pictures just the ultimate bad taste. You know, that kind of gained her notoriety right there. I, it, it's hard to. Well, I'm going to defend the pictures, and this is not going to be a popular stance. All right, cool. I want to hear it. But, but I'm a free speech absolutist, and this has nothing to do with that, because this is entirely in taste. There's no crime. Um, but nurses do get desensitized yes. to things that you could not believe, and we make jokes about things that are in such poor taste you just would not believe it um i guarantee that like the jokes you and i tell each other are totally different than like the jokes you and steve would tell each other it's you know it, you're you're an emergency room nurse and you work you, you work in a place where you see every possible terrible thing that can be done to a three-year-old yeah so you develop defense mechanisms and all of a sudden you know things that would be shocking to normal people aren't shocking to you because it, it, the person that that had died in the picture that she was thumbs upping right like she if she killed this person this is different right right she's maintaining that she didn't and it's just a picture in poor taste right well you know like that that person died and that's a shame but you know that person was 92 and dying is what you're supposed to do when you're 92 and you do it every day and you become very desensitized and it starts to be that you can joke around about things with other people who live your life in that way that that people that don't live it won't get and, and that's, right. that's a thing that occurs and I'm not defending the pictures you're never going to see me in a picture imitating a, you know, a dead patient who has rights to privacy and all that. That's not a thing that's going to occur. But no. um, the pictures, when I saw them, I laughed. And that happened, I believe, live as we were recording. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're busted. And I have all of the people that are nearest and dearest to me that are sleeping in my house 100 feet away would not have left because they've not they've not been in that place so you know it it changes you the work changes you absolutely yeah that's me in my soapbox i mean i have the same thing in my position you know when i'm joking with people in the lumber yard you know you're not going to get those jokes you're a fucking nurse think of all the stiff cock jokes that that you could make in the <laughs> lumber yard full of wood <laughs> I believe that's where they found the Stifler at a Home Depot with this, the filthiest mouth they ever heard, and it launched his acting career. Nice. Or that's an urban legend. I don't know. Alright, so this part is actually... Um, a story that was sent to me by the OG Mr. Cole, my dad Ken Cole, and uh, he's been talking about having a podcast, so I hope I'm not stealing his uh, wind here, but this is, um, I took this information off Matt's history blog, and this is about um, Sir Henry Piercy, also known as Harry Hotspur, son of the first Earl of Northumberland. Um, Northumbria, Northumbria or whatever. Whatever, yeah, help yeah. me. Uh, it was part blah, of blah, blah, blah. part of England. Oh, when they gave battles to the forces of King Henry the um, that's not fifth, fourth? Yeah. The somewhat beleaguered monarch was supported by his oldest son, heir Henry of Mon Month, Prince of Wales, who was only 16 years of age. The young man was later to become the legendary king blah blah blah
All right, so this all comes down to uh, uh, this prince being in the army. He was known to fight along with his men, Prince Henry. And you know why this Henry, we always see a side profile of him, never, never the other side or the front. I mean, you're aware of that from all those photos, right? It was on the coins, the English coins and all that, yeah. There's a reason for the profile. Okay. Uh, during one of the many volleys of missiles, and this is the Battle of Shrewsbury, 21st of July, 1403. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, missiles? <clears throat> They're meaning uh, arrows. Okay. Prince Henry was hit in the face by an arrow which embedded itself six inches into his right cheek, probably at a downward angle as the arrow, arrow fell. Raphael... Hollandshed, the Tudor chronicler, recounted that the prince this is super hard to read because it's spelled like in their accent <laughs> the prince that die <laughs> hold his father like a lusty young gentleman For did you say lusty? it says lusty young gentleman so, so something embedded six inches in his mouth and he's lusty? Is that what he, I'm he wasn't giving up. For although he was hurt in the face with an arrow so that diverse noble men that were about him would how convince him forth of the field oh mean they wanted to take him off the field okay okay yet he would not suffer them to do so so to do least his departure from amongst his men might happily, spelled H-A-P-P-I-L-I-E, of course, it's the way you do it. Obviously. Have stricken some fear into their hearts, H-A-R-T-S. Not rabbits. And so without regard of his hurt, he continued with his men, never ceased, either to fight where the battle, with two L's, was most hot, or to encourage, with an I, his men where it seemed most needed. So he's got an arrow sticking out of his face and continues into battle with his men. Pretty hardcore. If it's true, it's, it's badass. When the battle was finally over, the Percy force fleeting after Harry Hotspur fell. Prince Harry was rushed to receive treatment. The arrow shaft was removed, but the barbed head was lodged, unreachable and immovable. Eventually, the London surgeon, John Bradmore, was called to see what he could do. Bradmore's answer was as revolutionary as it was risky. He later wrote a book entitled Philomenia, in which he retold the treatment that he devised. And here, we hear how the doctor got it out. That book is famous, dude. Oh, you've heard of it? I've heard of it, yeah. Nice. I haven't heard of it. But perhaps it's something I should read. And here, quote, the doctor... First, I made small probes from the plith, pith of an elder, well-dried and well-stitched and purified linens, made to the length of the wound. These probes, these probes were infused with rose honey, and after that I made larger and longer probes, and so I continued to always enlarge these probes until I had the width and depth of the wound as I wished it. And after the wound was enlarged and deep enough so that, by my reckoning, the probes reached the bottom of the womb, I prepared anew some little tongs, small and hollow, and with the width of the arrow. A screw ran through the middle of the tongs, whose ends were well rounded, both on the inside and outside, and even the end of the screw, which was entered into the middle, was well rounded overall in the way of a screw, so that it should grip better and more strongly. Bradmore worked away at widening the wound to give himself room to reach the arrowhead. Once he could access it, he screwed the thread of his newly invented implement into the arrowhead. Next, he tells how, then by moving it to and fro, oh, with God help me, I extracted the arrowhead. I guarantee you that hurt some feelings. The next concern was how to treat the gaping womb in the side of Prince of Wales' cheek and prevent deadly infection from taking hold. The ingenious surgeon tells how he washed the wound with white wine and wiped the inside 
of it out with a probe covered with honey and early antiseptic, barley flour, and flax. They didn't have the silver microbial ointment, apparently, at that time. <laughs> we got to talk about the honey later. Keep going, though. Bradmore cleaned the wound in this way for the next 20 days, each day making the probe a little smaller to allow the wound to heal over as it was cleansed. To prevent seizures, a possibility that obviously concerned Bradmore, he applied medicines to the prince's neck to loosen the muscles. Bradmore describes this wound as being on Harry's cheek next to his nose on the left side, though it is generally believed that it was the prince's right cheek that was hit. Bradmore perhaps is referring to his own left. The surgeon's star was in the ascendant. He was paid 40s he was paid 40s for medicines providing to the king's household. So they, I didn't know they had 40s back then. I mean, the, dude, here's two Mickey's. Here's two Mickey's. Thank you so much. I say you go old English. Push your couch onto the porch. If you're working on the Prince of Wales, you go old English. Oh, and I got to talk about muscle memory before we're done today, too. All this right. is something weird that happened to me. And granted an annuity of 10 marks for his successful treatment of the prince. 10 marks? Yeah, in today's money, that's equal to $5 billion. <laughs> Like, I, I don't get I, it, but... It doesn't say that, I'm just estimating. Why would he be paid in German coins? I don't know. And 40s. <laughs> He's got Mickeys and German coins. It's weird. No, no, not Mickeys. You're, you're, it's Old English. This is the Prince of Wales in, like, uh, 1400. It's definitely Old English. We've always called it Old E. <laughs> if anything has ever been true, he was paid in Old English before. So he got a couple Old E 40s. And uh, some marks. He was also called upon to treat one of William, Jesus Christ, these names, Wincelo. Oh yeah, Wincelo. That's how you say that. Obviously, the king's pavilioner, whose suicide attempt left him with a wound to his stomach. Bradmore, te Bradmore treated him for eighty days, and the man survived. He wrote the book, Philomena before his death in 1412. This is hardcore. The book's famous, too. The wound left a physical scar on Henry that he carried for the rest of his life. The only remaining contemporary portrait shows him in profile, his left side facing the viewer. It is likely that this was to avoid displaying the damaged right cheek. For all of his fame as a victor of Agincourt and for forcing himself to be recognized as the rightful heir of the to the throne of France... This early episode and the physical mark that it left upon the prince is often overlooked. Henry's apparent desire to hide it may suggest that it was not a mark of battle that he wore with pride. Perhaps he did not want his enemies to be made aware of his mortality and the fact that the stray arrow almost killed him at 16. He needed to appear invincible if he was to inspire fear in the French. They talk about psychological impact. They think it made him a more sober king. It would. And I've dealt was, with a teenager recently that thought he was invincible. <laughs> he found out otherwise. I can just guess that. Henry was also famous during his campaign for his treatment of his men. From whatever social level. He would apparently walk the cab frequently... Not only keeping his men on their toes, but conversing with them, offering praise where it was due, criticism where it was warranted, and encouragement where it was needed. The promote the approach may have been nurtured by his experience in Shrewsbury. He had learned at a young age that any man present might be the one that would save your life. Ah. He should therefore be grateful for each one is there and instill in every man the desire to save their good and gracious king. Fair enough, man. Yeah. So, uh, thanks. I've heard of worse um, kings. Matt's history blog, and thanks to my dad, the OG Mr. Cole, a.k.a. Homer, a.k.a. Ken, if you're allowed to call him that. And, uh, yeah, that's a good story. It is. So, the only thing that I want to talk about is the honey. Yeah, what's up with that? Honey is... A natural antibiotic? A natural antiseptic, so... Ah. Um... The astute observer will note that a jar of honey, despite the fact that it's full of sugar, which is delicious to bacteria, 
does not have to be refrigerated True. after you open it. You can keep honey in the cupboard. Well, you know. It's like that Chernobyl ice cream. Stays cold on the shelf. <laughs> so, I mean, like, things with similar sugar content, such as a maple syrup, you know, that does not apply. You have to refrigerate it, right? So there's something special about honey. And it might be bullshit, and I, I can't like determine right now whether it is or not. But I was told that there was honey that was left in Egyptian tombs, you know, like two millennia before Christ, that was still viable honey when it was excavated in the 20th century fuck for, me like, from a from a home brewer standpoint <laughs> i will fucking make mead with that shit can you imagine how awesome like, that would be like 4000 years later and it was unrefrigerated right and 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 and, and aseptically handled and put in a jar and put underground for you know you know since moses was floating around in baskets and shit so, at any rate, honey has natural uh, antimicrobial properties, and that is a known thing, and it's true. Now, what is additionally true is that at the hospital, um, we use honey for wound care. Really? We actually put it on open wounds. You don't use the microbial silver gel? Or antimicrobial silver gel? Because that's that's what they used on when I had when I visited you at your work for three fucking days. So and then I went to Wound Center. That was the, the thing of choice. They packed so it with uh, colloidal silver. Colloidal silver. Yeah, so that Well that, no, I was drinking that. That's a thing that occurs as well. But um so, so we use an all of the above approach where we do lots of different things, but we do use honey. Um, the dressings are called meta honey. They're not free. Um, I bet. we use them for certain kinds of wounds. It's handy that they are sticky because what you want a dressing to do is stick to the patient and honey is particularly good at that. It also comes in a tube. You can apply to any dressing that you happen to be putting on. And when you are putting it on the person, it smells like the most delicious honey you've ever smelled. So here's my... Um, like you want to taste the stuff that you're about to put on the festering... Before you put it on the creeping <laughs> rot. Yeah. If we start a band, that's it. The creeping rot. Maybe. So I am... Um, I've been having problems the past few, <clears throat> I don't know, it's been about a couple months. Um, the beers I get at the store I go to every day, um, <clears throat> they moved them. So I had to get used to like a new location of, like I, I, I think I, they call that a sobriety test. Yeah, I go to the cooler and they used to be on the bottom shelf and I open the door and I reach out to I grab two bud ice one red hook so you got the one bud ice first get a nice IPA in the middle followed up by another bud ice 30 deuce so two 30 deuces of bud ice 122 of the red hook IPA you're good so they fucked me up by moving them up to the top shelf because I would open the door and look at the bottom shelf they're not there and I'm like they can't be out of both beers I want. <laughs> and then I so looked up. they're fucking with you. And I'm like, they moved it. So I began to be trained over the past few weeks. I got used to it. I, I started opening the door and looking up and reaching out and grabbing my beers and going to the counter. Or sometimes patiently waiting in line. Because lines happen. I went there the other day. I grabbed my beers go to the counter I go to pull out my wallet 
the guy is starting to scan them and he's like, really? And I look at my beers, I've got two 32 ounces of Natty Ice. Now I'm not about to push my couch onto the front yard and start drinking Natty Ice, okay? So I'm like, what the fuck, how did... By the way, our, our next recorded podcast, we will be drinking Natty Ice. It's just, we'll just get it. It's for science, we have to know. You can get like a 76 pack for seven bucks or something, I think. So I'm like, dude, I don't, you know I don't want these because I've been buying Bud Ice from this guy since he's worked there. <clears throat> Let me change those. And, I, and I, I changed them to the Bud Ice as prescribed and came back and he goes, dude, that is just your fucking muscle memory acting. And I go, what are you talking about? He's all, dude, my night guy put those beers in the wrong spots and I'm fucking lazy. I'm not going to fix it. I'm just going to wait till it sells and I was going to move them. And you just... Your muscle memory grabbed the fucking beer that it thought was correct, and you brought him up here and didn't even know until you happened to actually see my face and 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 understand that something was wrong. <laughs> and then you looked down and saw, that's not a beer I drink. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Is this now what what store are we talking about? Uh, store twenty four we call it by its old name or the kids didn't used to be able to pronounce Ricky couldn't pronounce store 24 so we called it bony boar so everyone hey where are you at I'm oh I'm at bony bony boar that's a thing everyone in the whole family calls it that uh, it's called Mount Canocti Gas and Mart it's like hard to remember or even is say is it the one by the high school in Kelseyville of course yeah yeah I've never been in there but we used to call it the store of 20 whores, but um, <clears throat> they only had like three three people working there, so it doesn't really apply. It's not true. And that It's kind of like the other day I was looking for my phone while holding the flashlight on my phone, and I'm like shining the light, looking, and I'm like, it's in my fucking hand. I've been there. I am 46, Dave, so things happen. Yeah. So, our ending credits, I want to encourage you guys to check out my YouTube channel. You'll see uh, all the beer I make. I am a home brewer. It's one of my hobbies, and I chronicle it on the YouTube. My, my YouTube channel is Mr. Cole's Home Brew. You can see me make everything I've poured to date, and you can also find out uh, when I'm going to be doing events and where. Uh, Dave and I will be pouring them, and uh, you'll also see Dave and I test them and find out if they're any good or not. If you have questions or opinions, please email us at 84Ounces2Freedom at gmail.com. That's the numbers 84, the letters OZ, the number 2, freedom at gmail.com. Um, even if you want to insult us, please do it. Uh, earmark them for Dave if you're going to send a dick pic. Um, we are on the Facebook and the Twitters. Um, I still haven't figured out the Instagram yet, but um, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. I'm I'm gonna figure out. I'm gonna <clears throat> I'm gonna sit down with a seven year old and have him train me on Instagram. I and just, on uh, WhatsApp, it's uh, all aboard, Mr. Cole six nine six nine six nine. Well, it's usually <laughs> Mr. Cole six six, which I've been accused of. So. Every time it says Mr. Cole's Taken, it just happened to me today when I created this site for um, uh, for my creepypasta. Well, the, the site exists, but Mr. Cole was taken. How can that fucking be? I am Mr. Cole. So it's always my, my go-to is Mr. Cole 66. I think that the other Mr. Cole might meet a grisly end in a future creepypasta. Yeah, here's the thing. Mr. Cole 666 is too on point, you know? Yeah. And 66 is is like, it's, it's not the full Satan. It's like the two-thirds Satan. But then other people have pointed out to me, if you, I don't know if you're aware of this, but the number 69 represents supposedly a man and a woman giving oral sex to each other. I mean... I, I'm a little naive, so I've not heard of that. Supposedly, L7 is the lesbian version of it. And I only say that because I believe that's the name of a band that... I could be wrong, and please don't 
you can get mad at me if you want. I believe that all the women in that band are angry lesbian punk rockers. I mean, there's no... And I could be wrong. When it comes to the old north-south on each other, all bets are off. So, people have told me, well, dude, you understand 69, yes. And you understand L7, yes. So, what do you think 66 is? Um, well, it's just, it's just, it's just two-thirds Satan is what it is. <laughs> They're like, no, dude, that's doggy style. <laughs> And I'm like, huh, I never thought of it that way. I, I wish that was what it meant in my house. <laughs> but in my house it meant, um, what, what would 66 even mean? I don't know. You're like, hey, baby, how about the old 66? And she's like, yeah, sure, with no clue of what you mean. <laughs> she's like, yeah, give me a dollar, I'll give you back six times <laughs> and, and, and a few pennies. <laughs> uh, thanks for following along with us. Blah blah blah. We encourage you to drink alcohol in that part of my notes. Uh, you can listen to our podcast everywhere. If you if you're listening to our podcast, you know that we are on the Spotify and like Spotify like notifies me. Hey, it's all in Spotify words. You have 84 ounces to freedom as a new episode. I'm like I know. <laughs> I put it on there. Uh, upcoming beer episodes I, I don't have any I, I will tell you our upcoming event for beer is in November we'll be pouring three beers they will all be Star Wars themed there's going to be Darth which will be a you go Porter Ralph a raspberry stout I got to get with Mike and get some raspberries I picked 7 pounds this morning did you? I need I think I need 14 um, Sounds like Jamie and Wyatt are going to enter some stuff too. It takes so. I so, need seven for that beer. So Pauline told me this morning. So we we kind of worked hard for seven pounds this morning because their fall stuff is hitting just now, mm. and and I need it from a barbecue sauce. So I was out there. Bob came and picked with us, and Pauline picked like three pounds, and so. She said that by this Saturday, we won't be able to pick them as fast as they're ripening. Oh, I need to get on it. So, I maybe know you're sun- off. Maybe so, Sunday. Well, they're closed Sunday. What? But Saturday morning might make sense. I'll be at the Blue Lakes. You'll be at your event. Yeah. Let's talk about your event. What are you doing this fucking Saturday, Dave? And where is it? So... In Lakeport, California, this Saturday, August 3rd, it's the Grillin' on the Green. This will allow me to grab a beer, because um, I already know the details, but I'll be back. I'll grab two. All right, sir. It, it's a charity event, and it's a barbecue competition. So, as, as barbecue competitions go, this one is a people's choice. So, what that means is that the people who are supporting the charity event show up with probably on the order of $28 or something like that. And they they buy a plate and a wristband and then they taste all the barbecue being served and they vote for their favorite one and the winner the winner wins people's choice. So it's it's Something of a popularity contest and now, a the last competition. Event, you got literally last year's event was burned out here in California. The whole state was on fire and you couldn't even drive to where the event was supposed to happen at that time. It was evacuated. That That's all true. Literally, we were... But um, the year before, you guys won how many ribbons? You won like three ribbons, didn't you? The year before... Um, my group representing the hospital where I work won the People's Choice. So what that means is that the, all the people who bought um, tasting passes, which is about 400 people, and tried all the barbecue entries, the most votes for favorite was our entry, and that made us the People's Choice winners. So we are in a sense, the defending champions this year. 
I had <clears throat> a longtime customer of mine come up to me at Dave's booth. And she has a plate of barbecue from all around the event. And she says, hey, are you in charge here? I said, no, but I can do whatever I want. And she's like, well, can you give me that barbecue sauce on this other stuff? So she literally had me putting Dave's barbecue sauce onto her other barbecue. Um, that in itself was just a, like a, hey, you guys are killing it, man. Yeah, that's that's one of my favorite stories that I've ever heard. So Suzanne Russell. <laughs> She Suzanne, I, we've never met, but bless you. I, you may have. We, we should. You will. I'll make sure to point it out in the next if, if it ever happens. She's a good customer many, many, many years from my early years at the Piedmont Lumber. Suzanne, I have young children who don't currently have a godparent. <laughs> Since you like the barbecue sauce. But we should talk. <laughs> have you heard of the barbecue sauce fairy? It's a thing. So we are on the Patreon. We don't know what the hell we're doing there either. There's tiers like we're supposed to make tiers where if you donate five bucks, we like shout out your name on this episode. But if you send us an email and call us assholes, we'll talk about you on an episode. I, I don't care. A bad publicity, I will. I will read it. I read all correspondence. The filthier. The filthier the correspondence, yeah. the more detail our we podcast, will go into. Our podcast is marked as adult, so yeah, you, you know what to NC expect. This is NC-17 type stuff. But on the Patreon, there is a way somehow. We don't have our tiers set up, and I don't have stuff yet, but I do want to get some 84 ounces to Freedom beer openers. There's a nice company that makes... Um, custom beer openers that are also coasters. I can't think of a more genius invention. Um, so that's going to be a thing in the future. Possibly t-shirts, hats, blah, blah, blah. All that stuff. We just, we're not there. And but in the near future, we are going to revisit what 84 ounces actually means. And we're <clears throat> going to repeat episode one where we drink seven beers in 60 minutes so if you've ever seen Penn and Teller do their upside down magic trick um, where they're literally suspended upside down and they do their magic and it, they hate it it's horrible and they swear they'll never do it again um, it's kind of like that because we we got in big trouble on that first episode there were there's almost... only been a couple other times in my life I've been that drunk <laughs> Divorce has almost occurred. Yeah. But it was problematic. We have recovered, but we're going to try to, um, I don't know, we're going to take precautions. Maybe we need to send our families away ah. on a weekend getaway, and we need to hire nurses for, a, for approximately 10 hours. Just to make sure they don't just find our bones and puddles of blood. <laughs> Uh, but on Patreon, you, um, even though we don't have the tiers set up, I'm, I'm working on it. Uh, we do, apparently there is the ability for you to give us money. And we can, we can guarantee, we can guarantee 100% of the proceeds will be spent on either beer or whiskey that we will consume on this show. Without question. We would, we would not, we would not deceive you guys in that. Oh, and my first creepy pasta is up. So you heard Dave and I read it today. It was really fun. Uh, I had a good time kind of kicking Dave in the dick a little bit there. Um, <clears throat> I'll post the link. It's on uh, Forum Wiki and uh, or Forum Creepy Pasta Wiki. I don't know. It's very confusing. But I'll post the link. You just click and and you're good. And um, and what you guys don't know is that. In the future, you're going to learn a little bit more about Johan. Johan, he has some views. And Johan, in addition to being a lot of things, is known to be a sexual tyrannosaur. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. I'll, I'll give you a little foreshadowing. You know, this... If this... we can peel back the foreskin <laughs> on, on this foreshadowing. 
So you'll notice that um, Johan is kind of finding out about some weird conspiracy theory thing involving a phone. I mean, how many how many stories have we heard of like people's iPhones caught on fire under their pillow and burned their face off? I mean, it, it's an urban legend. So yeah, I took liberties with a really common thing. But um, I will foreshadow for you, not next episode, which will have nothing to do with Johan and Bryce, but the third episode has to do with some heavy conspiracy theories. It's some full-on, uh, what's the guy's fucking name? Alex Jones. Alex Jones will like this episode. <laughs> I'm going to send him we a copy. Reach out to Alex We need his help in actually editing before we release we it. Could, we could make the air. And that's it. That's all I got. Thank you very much. Episode 8. Cheers, motherfuckers. Cheers. Be here or be nowhere. <laughs>